Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Our scripture reading this day is from the book of Genesis. It is the 17th chapter, and it's a translation called The Message. Listen for God's word to you. When Abram was 99 years old, God showed up and said to him, I am the strong God. Live entirely before me. Live to the hilt. I'll make a covenant between us, and I'll give you, Abraham, a large family. Overwhelmed, Abram fell flat on his face. And then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I'll make nations from you, and kings will issue from you. I'm establishing my covenant between me and you, a covenant that includes your descendants, a covenant that goes on and on and on and on, a covenant that commits me to be your God and the God of your descendants. And I'm giving you and your descendants this land where you're just now staying, the whole country of Canaan, to own forever, and I'll be their God. God continued to Abraham, And you, you will honor my covenant. You and your descendants, generation after generation, circumcise every male. It will be the sign of the covenant between us. My covenant will be cut into your body a permanent mark of my permanent covenant. God continued speaking to Abraham, and Sarai, your wife, don't call her Sarai any longer, call her Sarah. I'll bless her. I'll give you a son by her. Oh, how I will bless her. Nations will come from her. Kings of nations will come from her. Abram again fell flat on his face, And then he laughed, thinking, can a hundred-year-old man father a son? And can Sarah at 90 years have a baby? Your wife Sarah will have a baby, God said. A son. You will name him Laughter, Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him and his descendants, a covenant that lasts forever. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Could you bring bring back the picture of Abraham and Sarah? I love it. I want to see it just a little bit longer. Oh, or just a minute. Okay. Well, I'll keep going and the image will catch up. So it is hard for us to understate just how weird the biblical story gets in chapter 12 of Genesis. 
And the weirdness, by the way, has nothing to do with foreskins, okay? <laughs> this moment in the Bible is a seismic moment. It is very much like another beginning, like another kind of creation story. This is the first time that God makes a covenant with one person. God makes a covenant with Abraham. If you were to go out in the morning on any day and look at the colors of the dawn, or if you go out in the evening and gaze up at the night sky, if you soak in and absorb the intricacy of the created world and all the ecosystems that we are embedded in, if you just sit for a minute with the wonder of creation, it is not hard, I think, to imagine a God who makes covenant with the creation. But it is a leap of a whole other magnitude, I think, to, to imagine a God who chooses one particular human being to bless and to watch over. But that's what happens in the stories in Genesis here in 12 through 18. The creator of the heavens and the earth inserts the same covenantal care into the life of a single individual. Now, if you read the story of Abraham in Genesis straight through, and I encourage you to go home today and open chapter 12 and just read. It's a little bit hard to follow. There are, in fact, a few different Abraham traditions that get smushed together in these chapters. But the basic outline of the plot goes something like this. There's a guy whose name is Abram. And he truly is just a random guy, a random dude, we'll call him. He lives in the town of Ur in what is now southern Iraq. And Abram gets up and leaves his family home just like many of us do over the course of our lives. And as, as Abram goes along, he hears a voice speaking to him just as many of us do at times in the course of our own lives. And this voice instructs him to go to a new place, to a place he has not ever been before, a place that Abram has never seen, but a place that the voice will show to him. Abram, when he leaves, is not a young man, but he follows the voice. He follows his call. He leaves everything that is familiar and trustworthy and grounding to him. He goes in the direction of deep uncertainty. And this voice, as Abram goes, begins to make promises to him. I will give you land. The land that I am sending to you will belong to you. This land will be filled with your offspring. Your descendants will grow up here, and from your descendants I will make a great nation that will include kings. I, God, will be faithful to your descendants, Abram, forever, and all of these promises that I make to you on this day, land and generations, a great nation, all of them will be possible 
because of one more promise. You, Abraham, at 99, and Sarah, your wife, at 90, you will have a baby. Now, in just a minute, we're going to talk about how Abraham responds to all of this. But it's worth asking first, what is God doing? Like, why does the creator of the universe make a covenant like this with a single human being? Like many things with God, we really don't know. What we do know is that this God who shows up in Genesis and, and, and tells us about God's self, this God seems to like covenants. If we go back to the story we read last week, the story about Noah, you saw God in a bind. God was struggling to know what to do with humankind. God sees our tendency to go off the moral rails when we are left to our own devices. And what can God do? What can God do to get us to freely embrace our created purpose to live in shalom instead of in violence? To practice mutual friendship rather than to resent and begrudge one another? What can God do to get us to take care of the earth instead of exploiting it? What are God's options? In the story of the flood, God decides that what we need is trust. We need trust. So God must create conditions where we human beings can learn how to trust. Trust is created through promise. The covenant with Abraham is God's decision to enter directly into the lives of the people whom God loves. People who are never far away from slipping into our own self-made chaos. God wants our lives to possess the life-giving beauty of God's blessings. God's gracious provision is already in the creation itself. And now God will provide for this one human family. And if that one family, perhaps every family. In one way of thinking about it, God by making this covenant with Abraham is going big by going small. This moment in Scripture effectively changes our relationship to God, God's power, God's love, God's creativity, God's caregiving are now given to regular people. To Abraham and to Sarah, you read these stories and you will see very clearly that Abraham and Sarah are not only perfect, they are often not good, and they are often not likable. But if God could covenant with them, God can covenant with you and with me. 
Abraham and Sarah are chosen by God to be blessed. And you might think, you might guess, that they would be excited about this prospect. It is true, is it not, that sometimes the gifts we give are not immediately understood or appreciated? I remember when I was about six years old for Christmas, and my grandfather gave me a savings bond. (laughs) He thought it was the greatest gift ever. And I kind of wanted action figures, right? We missed each other in the giving and the receiving. Abraham does fall on his face before God in reverence when God tells him he will become the father of a great nation. But when God unrolls God's plan and says Sarah will get pregnant, Abraham cannot stop laughing at the idea of his 90-year-old wife having a baby. When Sarah finds out about God's plan later on in chapter 18, she laughs too. But not at the prospect of having a baby, but at the idea that she and Abraham will suddenly enjoy sex again in their 90s. (laughs) I kid you not, that is exactly what the Hebrew says. (laughs) Maybe at some point in your life you've heard the joke that says, do you want to hear God laugh? Tell God your plans for your own life. But it seems like the joke actually goes both ways. Sometimes you will hear God's plan for your life. Where God is sending you. What God needs from you. And those plans will seem too bizarre or too difficult or too wonderful. Abraham and Sarah do have pleasure, and they do have a child, and they forever mark the way that God's promise interrupts and changes the course of their lives by naming their baby Isaac, which means he laughs. Now, Abraham only laughed as long until the time it came for him to show that his decision to be faithful to God would be good. I know you were hoping I would talk about circumcision, so I will. (laughs) Circumcision is no joke. At any age, it's no joke. At 99, it strikes me as fatal. We laugh, and we squirm, perhaps. But Abraham goes through with it. And what is certain for Abraham, and and what is just as true for you, is that keeping covenant with God will mark you. Keeping covenant with God does not come with no cost. Keeping your end of the promise marks you as strange. 
The word blessing itself, which is a word that we often throw around carelessly when we talk about God, the word blessing is rooted in the act of smearing blood on something to make it sacred. Blessing is a gift. Yes, it's a profound gift, but it marks and it stains. A blessing says that your life is not only yours, it belongs also to God. Jesus will make the same kind of claim about a life of discipleship, a life of faithfulness. He will tell us in different ways that to live in the way of God's covenant is to give until it hurts. It is to serve and never expect to be served. To keep the covenant is, is to, to put your body in a place where you interrupt cycles of violence and offer the possibility of peace. To keep the covenant is to keep your own heart soft even after it is broken. To keep the covenant with God is to love your enemies and to forgive 70 times, seven times. Keeping covenant with God is to love one another in body, mind, and soul, and strength. To love each other fully and deeply so that it hurts like hell when we lose our beloveds. Keeping covenant is a great gift to us. But it comes at a cost. It leaves a mark. God's covenant with Abraham and Abraham's descendants plays out over time and through the generations in the stories from Genesis 12 through the end of Genesis in the 50th chapter. And there are so many beautiful moments where God blesses uh, these descendants of Abraham, but there are just as many moments that are bizarre and terrifying. Abraham's trip up the mountain to sacrifice this great gift, this beloved child, Isaac. Isaac's children, Jacob and Esau, will battle each other over his blessing. Jacob will hand the blessing on to his youngest son and make his older brothers so jealous that they will leave him for dead in the desert. Even this very day, we argue and kill one another over what it means that God promised land to Abraham and his descendants. Even when that land was already occupied and other people already called it home. I mention these things by way of saying that there is nothing apparently easy about Abraham's family's experience of God's covenant with them. God's covenant does not seem to make our road smooth. It does not take away all of our sadness. 
or our difficulty. On this weekend, you might even invite one of your queer friends to tell you again about their faith story. And they will tell you that the road is not smooth. But you might also hear from them a testimony about how faithful is our God. Out of great love, great love, God makes a future for Abraham and for Sarah that would not have been possible without God's promise. Theirs is a future with a child, with laughter, and even with pleasure. God's interest in their lives, getting down into the weeds of their life, creates a new reality for them. God does this for Abraham and for Sarah. God does this again and again, creating something out of nothing, creating a way out of no way, creating our ability to believe in a future that we cannot see from where we stand in the present. God does this at the dawn of creation. God does this after the flood. God does this by making a pathway through the Red Sea. God does this in the utter despair of exile. God does this in Mary's womb. And God does this again in a garden tomb. God's promise and your faith in God's promise changes everything.